Can anybody guess what that's a picture of? That is actual footage of the inside of my automobile as of last week. We had some first-time guests here today. I'm thankful for that. I've got to warn you, I'm a little odd. I like to refer to it as I'm your unicorn, okay? It's a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Mirrors, different uses for mirrors. Today we're going to talk about some different uses. But first, I would like us to go to Genesis chapter 19, and we will go to verse 12. And I'll do quite a bit of reading in here, but I'll try, try not to put you to sleep. Genesis 19, verse 12. 12, and we'll go through 26. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray, Lord, for your anointing upon the reading and the teaching and preaching of the word today. Lord, I pray that you would um, soften our hearts and let that word be absorbed into it and sprout forth from that. In Jesus' name, amen. So preceding this, Abraham is talking to God, and it's almost like a downward auction. He's, God is getting ready to, Sodom and Gomorrah has become so evil and horrible, all kinds of unspeakable things happening there, and God is going to do something about it. But Abraham starts out and says that if there is 50 righteous, would you not do this um, so that all of them wouldn't be destroyed? And he goes from 50 to 45 to 30 to 20 and down to 10. Have you ever tried to bargain with God before? And it's not like he talked God down or anything like that. God already knew what he was going to do, but... Sodom was a, from what archaeologists say, Sodom was a fairly large city. It had to be because of the burials that was in and around there. So if there were only 10 righteous, then that was the agreement. Can 10 people, righteous people, out of, say, 50,000 in a city make a difference? Yes. Why? Well, we, last Wednesday we studied the law of seed, and 10 righteous in a city can make a difference. What about 200 in a city of 1,000? Well, absolutely they should be able to make a difference. Um, so it gets down to where the two angels go to Sodom, and they are met by Lot there, Abraham's nephew. And Lot is convincing them, trying to convince them to come to his house. They want to stay in the square, but things are so wicked there. They end up going, and whenever they get there, there is at his house, the townspeople and the men come knocking, and they want to do 
unspeakable things to these men. And that takes us up to this point for the most part. Verse 12, the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, or whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. I don't know why he was, someone would joke about something like that. I like to kid around a lot, but I would never tell you something like that and be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords, indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there, and my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Speaking of Lot's wife. Why do you think she looked back? You think maybe she had things she didn't want to leave behind? Possessions? Maybe even a pet sin? You know, those little things that nobody else knows about that you just want to hold on to? Um, why do women think about stuff like this, about looking back? Maybe she left the curling iron on. Has any of you, has any men ever experienced women who on the way to somewhere said, oh, you know what? I think I left the curling iron on. That's very common. I don't think it was that. Electricity hadn't been invented yet. Maybe she liked her life in Sodom. The Bible doesn't really clearly say about that. I've often wondered, why doesn't the Bible ever spell out things like that? Well, if everything was spelled out for us in here and it was all just 
straight line, this here is how it is, this, 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 and this, then we wouldn't have to study so much. And there wouldn't be endless messages within the scripture. Through this scripture right here, this is why this is the living word of God, because there is endless possibilities out of here. Maybe she really didn't want to leave. You know, if Joshua would have left it up to the people, the children of Israel, they may have never crossed the Jordan. They may have said, we'll just go back to Egypt. Maybe she just didn't want to leave there. We don't know. Maybe she hated the way things were in Sodom. Maybe she really did not want to be there. But it's what she got accustomed to. We just don't know. Sometimes we get accustomed to the way things are. And even if it's not good, we're still okay with it. Maybe she felt like she wasn't good enough for a better life or that she didn't deserve something better. I'm telling you what, if you have that mentality that you think that you're not good enough or you think that you don't deserve something better, I'm telling you what, you deserve better. God wants better for you. Some might say that maybe she hasn't hit rock bottom yet. Have you ever seen someone who you thought that they hit rock bottom, but then they didn't? They can actually go farther down. And that's really sad, but sometimes you have to hit the very bottom before you can get back up. If you're living in Sodom right now, God's got something better for you. And you know, maybe she didn't have all this bad stuff going on in her life. Maybe she just got distracted. Um, Wednesday night, we, we were talking about this, and the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that is what he aims to do to you. But he doesn't have to pull a gun out on you, or he doesn't have to hit you. All he has to do is distract you or attract you. The different uses for mirrors... Some people may say whenever they hear the word mirror, they think of vanity. Um, I'll be honest with you. Whenever I was younger, I couldn't walk past a mirror without looking at it and saying, you dude are just pretty awesome. <laughs> well, face it, I had the pecs then. I had the buys and the tries and everything then. Just a little bit maybe stuck on myself in my own mind. I don't think anybody else was stuck on me, but I was stuck on myself in my own mind. You know, I kid around a lot about being the best-looking Oriental in Orchardville. You know, big whoop. Big whoop. Vanity. One of the other reasons why or uses for a mirror, and this is a good one, is for inspection so that you can examine yourself so that you don't have something dangling from your nose or 
from your mouth or, okay, so I cut my own hair. And so I just use clippers and I've pretty much got it down to an art form of how I can do it. Man, I know today I need a haircut, but (laughs) I've got it down to an art form that from the front and the sides, I got it going on whenever I'm cutting my own hair. But man, the back, that's where it gets me. But that's all I see is the front and the sides. I couldn't care less about the back. (laughs) That's where this special mirror in the bathroom comes in handy upstairs. Downstairs, I cut it, I run upstairs, you know, it's got the mirror that tips out so I can check the back, kind of like that, go back down and readjust it. Inspection, we need to inspect ourselves, not just our hair or this or that, we need to inspect our lives from time to time. Lamentations 3.40 says, let's examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. We had communion there last week. At communion, that's a time when we really need to examine ourselves before we take communion. Because we don't want to go and take communion with just out of duty. We do that from our heart to remember what the Lord has done for us, right? Inspection. Reflection. Did you know that as a attender of this church, that this church is actually a reflection of you? It is. When people say Orchardville Church and you're an attender of this church, it's a reflection of you. It's like you looking in the mirror. If you don't like what you see, then you might need to make an adjustment. If you love what you see, keep on keeping on. (laughs) Reflection. Sometimes we do reflect back on the past, and we'll get into that here in the next portion of it, which is history. Mirrors are good for history. They tell us where we've been, don't they? We learn from history. It's good to learn from history because you can figure out some of the mistakes that have already been made. The only thing of looking back into history is not to dwell in the past. One of my biggest vices is my favorite movie of all times is Napoleon Dynamite. If you haven't ever seen it, you probably don't want to. It's not bad, there's nothing bad in it, but. Some people think it's stupid. I think it's genius. There's this character in there called Uncle Rico. And he's always like, man, I bet I could throw a football over that mountain. And he's always talking about, if I would have, coach would have put me in back in high school, we would have went state. He can't get past living 30 years before. He's always living in the past. Can't. You have to learn from history, but you got to live in today. Information and safety. We use the side mirrors for backing up. Is there any truck drivers in here? I know there is. Yes, truck drivers, farmers, 
Lots of guys that are pretty good at backing up. I am not, and I always con people into backing up for me. I'm like, oh, I got something in my eye. Uh, could, would you care to do that? For a long time, I've always wanted to have a truck rodeo out here where we have some competition for backing up trailers and stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot of guys that that would be fun because we got some real pros here. But backing up, safety, we use those mirrors for that. That's a good thing for those. Up here on the screen, you can see my rear view mirror in the windshield. I think, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure there's a regulation for the size of a rear view mirror in an automobile. I know there has to be. You couldn't have one that was like four feet long <laughs> and like two feet wide. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Because you wouldn't see anything. You wouldn't see the road. All you would see was what was behind you. You can see my fuzzy dice dangling there from the mirror. I had to take them down and put them in my back window. Because my wife got them for me for Christmas this year. I had to put them in the back window because I about got in a wreck the other day because they were hanging from there and I couldn't see. That or I was mesmerized by them just <laughs> going like that. Safety. I got out the other morning. This hadn't got anything to do with mirrors, but the windshield was all frosted up. Now, this is a number one no-no. So I had to run down to the church real quick. Got in, started it up, wasn't thought off. So I went out and scraped a little hole about three inches around. <laughs> Has anybody ever been guilty of that? Do not raise your hand because I don't want to know who's been a bad, bad boy. <laughs> very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. I immediately, that happened on Thursday, Friday morning, I met my kids. I went and I got them windshield de-icer and scrapers, and I made sure they had them in their car. And I said, don't ever take off without your windshield cleaned off. Now, that's good no matter what. I don't care if you like my preaching or not, but that's good. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's the first part of that scripture. If you don't clean off your windshield, you could perish. The fuzzy dice in the, mirror, in the windshield, no bueno. I couldn't see. What do all these things have in common? They obstructed my vision. They obstructed my vision. I did not have clear-cut vision of where I was going. We need to have clear-cut vision. Orchardville Church needs to have clear-cut vision for 2018. We'll be having a, a leadership meeting next week. We'll be putting together some plans on the, the search for the new pastor. Um, we are in the process of 
interviewing kids directors. And so we need clear-cut vision for 2018. Two months ago, I set a short-term vision because I'm the interim pastor. I short, set a short-term vision for three months and that vision was what? Move towards unity. And don't cut, get caught up in dwelling in the past. Clear-cut vision. At the end of February, if we have still not have a pastor hired, and it's most likely that we, it won't happen that fast, but at the end of February, I will set another short-term vision that will probably be three to six months because this church will not wander around like we don't know what we're talking about. We will have clear-cut vision of the direction we're heading. Not just in this church, but you need clear-cut vision in your life. A few weeks ago, I preached on um, different things, but there was uh, one portion in there where I talked about what do you wanna be and that's an unfair question to ask a lot of young people is what do you want to be when you grow up? It's better to ask, what do you want your life to look like? What is your vision for how you want your life to look like, whether you're young or old? You know, I'm 53 years old. I still have to ask myself and set something. What do I want my life to look like? And, you know, going back to the Psalmist David, I want it to look planted, I want it to look rooted, I want it to look stable, I want it to look fruitful, and I want it to look effective. And from that, all rooted on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ, I can build the different thing, aspects of what it, I want it to look like. We gotta have clear-cut vision in our lives. It doesn't matter who you are whether you're kids or whether you're older. If the musicians would go ahead and come. Clear-cut vision. I have one more mirror I'd like to show you. Is that okay? Next to the Bible, this is probably one of the greatest books that has ever been published. The outside of it, the title of it says, why Jesus died and it's only got one page in there it's got a mirror in here and it's a reflection of whoever's looking at it I've used this at the hospitals many a times and every time regardless of whether they're saved or not saved whenever you show that to them and they see the reflection and it becomes real of I think that's me. Jesus died for me. He died for all, but personally, he died for me. You need Jesus in your life. You need to make him Lord and Savior of your life. If you all would please stand. get clear-cut vision in your life, you have to start from the very foundation of Jesus in your life and being Lord of all. If you have not ever accepted him as your Savior, today is the day of salvation. If you have any other needs in your life, 
I would ask that you would come forward and I'll pray one more time. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that the very words that were spoken here were not my words, but your words, Lord, and your Holy Spirit, Lord, would be at work in each and every one of us right now. Lord, I just pray that anybody who needs has anything in their life that they need to get out, Lord, I just pray that you would hearken in them to go to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.